Welcome to the Future of Knowledge Management podcast. My name is Jamie Mason. I'm a digital transformation consultant at Oakland. Joining me today are Gabriel Karawani from Clear People and Simon Mould from Oakland. Welcome both. It's a pleasure to have you with me today. If you wouldn't mind a couple of introductions to get us going. So Gabriel, I'll start with you. Thank you very much, Jamie. Uh, thank you both for having me here today. Uh, so my name is Gabriel. I'm one of two co-founders in Clear People. I spend um, a lot of my time with Microsoft colleagues, actually, to, to try to understand what direction of travel Microsoft is taking, because that is a very important part of forming our roadmap for our product, which is uh, the Atlas Digital Workplace platform. So... Um, I estimate maybe I spend 40% of my time with Microsoft and then I spend um, a lot of time with the product development team, uh, our product director, our product managers to um, formulate the direction of travel of Atlas. And then I spend some time, well, together with you guys as well, with some of our strategic clients. Thank you, Gabriel. And Simon, can you tell us a little bit about your role and about Oakland as well? Yep, fantastic. Thank you, Jamie. Lovely to be here today. Um, let, let me just start with Oakland. So as an organisation, we, we spend our time supporting clients across all sorts of sectors um, to drive digital and business transformation. Um, now, that means different things to different organisations at different times. Uh, personally, I've spent the last 15, 20 years supporting organisations to drive uh, changes in their workforce. And more recently, um, for maybe the last 10, 15 years, supporting clients to exploit information management challenges and to transform the way in which their workforce um, uses information to, to drive their business forwards. So why should we care about knowledge management? Why would we want to be good at it? Why, why does that actually matter? Let's start with the basic premise of what our podcast is about today. And Simon, maybe you could take this one. Yeah, uh, it's an interesting perspective. So to answer that question, I think what we've got to do is step back a little bit in time and step away from today's working world and understand what knowledge management is really used for and has been used for millennia um, by humans. The The thing that hasn't changed in, in the, certainly the last 15 years is us and the humans that use the knowledge um, to collaborate. So the answer to this really sits in the collaboration cycle that as, uh, that as humans we've used for, for time in, since time immemorial. So the ability to create, to share um, and to apply experience and knowledge has been really important throughout, throughout human, human history. Um, so that started and some, possibly some of the most important uh, inventions um, uh, include the ability to speak and the ability to write. Um, and today, where we, where we, when, when we look at businesses, it's really important to consider how that applies in the business environment that we see ourselves in today. And when we think about that, nothing much has changed. So humans today in business, we're still looking to, to leverage the knowledge and the collective experience of our organisations, the collective knowledge of our organisations to innovate, to differentiate, to drive our businesses forwards. And that's why it's still important today. The knowledge in, in fact, is becoming more and more uh, of a differentiator. The more and more of us that go to work and that use our knowledge day to day as knowledge workers. Yeah, and I think that's a very good point about knowledge workers, right? We are increasingly seeing that segment of the economy becoming ever more important. The kind of skills that we're valuing in the labour force have changed so much in the last, even in the last 10 years, but even more so 20, 30 years. And um, Gabriel, what's your perspective on this? Well, I agree with those points. Um, I think the competitive advantage in having a handle on your knowledge, uh, the competitive advantage in being able to take advantage of the the collective knowledge, the corporate memory, or whatever we might call it, and and drive a collective intelligence agenda within an organization, that really can set the 
winners apart from everybody else, I think. And I think building on that as well. So um, what we see, if, if, if knowledge is the collective, is the advantage um, that, that organisations have, then the ability to collaborate on that and the ability to enable people to share their knowledge and to not work in silos, yeah. to bust the silos in organisations, to bring that knowledge to bear becomes increasingly important. Yes, and with the digital transformation journey that we're all living and breathing today, right, the, to the capability of doing that has never been greater, I would argue, in the entirety of human history. You talk about stone tablets many thousands of years ago but we've come so far from them that it's so touch of a button we can transfer unimaginable quantities of data only from perspective of 40 50 years ago um do you see this therefore becoming ever more important um i, I absolutely i do especially as we 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 we're now living in a in, in a world where post covid the location hybrid the ability for individuals to collaborate uh, whilst not being in the same mm. space, while not being in the same room, in the same office, mm. is is ever more important for organisations. And the, and the tools that need to be available to enable that um, become hugely important for the organisation to survive and to differentiate. And the flip side of that is, of course, the opportunity. The opportunity that you are able to actually engage people all over the globe, hire people anywhere where they are. It's a huge opportunity for organisations. And actually coming back to the point on collective intelligence, you get a much bigger spread of your knowledge pool and the diversity of knowledge, which actually typically enables you to make better decisions and to innovate more. It's it's quite interesting. The technology was moving very quickly even prior to COVID, but COVID mm. was really that catalyst that saw kind of a leap forward yeah. in the adoption of the, of the capabilities here. Because I remember 10, 15 years ago, classic SharePoint, where that was kind of a collaboration model in enterprise mm. level that day. You had to check out a document one by one, mm. and you'd have to check it in. We and someone that, else right? could view it. Oh, it was wonderful. <laughs> Everybody Sarcasm, that. of course. No, it was, it was absolutely horrendous. But nowadays, we've got such a seamless way of working together that you can truly do it anywhere, and actually on many different types of devices nowadays. COVID was an interesting time because COVID did force the issue uh, for many organisations who, um, in order to maintain uh, productivity, to maintain momentum, needed to enable people to be very quickly to be able to collaborate um, it, from, from different locations. However, I would argue that since COVID, we're starting to see a, a sort of a, a backward step that reflects not the abilities of the technology to enable us to collaborate, but the limitations of the business environment, whether that's the management environment, the processes, um, the, and, and, the, and, and, and the information itself, the ab availability of that collective pool of information and knowledge to be able to drive that collaboration cycle. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's where we see a lot of organisations sort of struggling today and we, we there's some you know some major global headlines uh, kicking on that indicate that potentially quite a lot of organizations are, are struggling with that i think the uh, the reaction uh, in the pandemic was a knee-jerk reaction not in a bad way you had to do some stuff you had to do it very very fast and the reaction meant that a lot of people jumped into teams for instance very very fast and it was quite impressive uh, and there were a lot of businesses out there that were running around, in, you know, turning on the team switch. But the consequence, of course, is kind of what we're talking about today. The consequence is now we're all working in this environment and we have this proliferation of teams, for instance. Uh, and um, we're starting to now see the consequence and the challenges that are coming from now we technically can do it. But how should we do it in the best possible way? Yeah, and I think we actually saw that a bit through the pandemic, right? The knee-jerk reaction, actually, if we think right back to the start with Zoom. 
but yeah. for mm-hmm. and for Zoom me. suddenly got enormous traction. But then very clearly, quickly, the limitations of Zoom mm-hmm. came very much apparent. And Teams very uh, Microsoft responded very effectively. Teams very quickly Correct. assumed the mantle of leading the way, and w- w- this, it was quite remarkable to me. And I'd say in April 2020, everyone was talking about Zoom. Everyone was using, indeed, yeah, Oakland, we were. we were using Zoom. Uh, by a year later, it had fallen away, so, certainly in every enterprise that I was talking to at that stage, and teams had got to a level of dominance, and it just showed the adoption journey was moving so, ever so quickly. Yes. What's the problem with knowledge management today of get, getting it mm. right? Mm. I think we've, we've started to touch on that, but um, Gabriel, if you if you would want to start us off on this. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think, you know, as for what we were discussing before, um, it's been evolving over time, of course. And then we had this acceleration and we've got all the technology and the tooling and everything in place to actually enable us to do all this. Um, we've seen, of course, the ability to save documents, content, whatever it is, into the cloud become you know, a, a no-brainer for any, anyone can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting. So if you look at the volume today, I think Microsoft are talking about um, the numbers they released recently was, was that 1.6 billion documents are hitting Microsoft 365 every day. Staggering, isn't it? Staggering. It's yeah. a staggering amount. Now, of course, that's not in one business. That's across all the businesses that are using 365. But that is a tremendous amount. So if we just take that into, I mean, it's a, it's a number that's so big, you can't really yeah. imagine it, especially if you take a week and month and a year, right? But if we just look at that number and we think about knowledge management in a traditional sense, well, in a traditional sense, knowledge management about is about that top tier of the pyramid where it's highly curated. You've got a policy. You know that policy is the right policy. It's been tagged up. There's a bit of an abstract about it. You know everything you need to know about that policy. You make it available to everybody. Well, traditionally speaking, that top tier still only accounted for maybe a few percent of the total volume of information you had. And that's what we call the knowledge. That's the knowledge management part. And the problem clearly now has become even bigger. Or the problem is that you can't really manage more than that top tier. And that problem, therefore, has only become bigger today. So we got these other tiers of knowledge where outside of the few percent, we really know not we don't know much about that information. It's just out there and we're lucky if we find the right document that we need at the right time that's buried in some team somewhere. And if we come back to what we talked about earlier about the collaboration cycle, if any one individual wants to wants to scour the, the corporate knowledge base to understand what is already known to be able to build on that, mm. it's it's relatively easy in today's technology to, to scour that top few percent mm. of knowledge. But quite more often than not, especially as the different sources or, or locations of storing this knowledge proliferate, it's, it's really important to be able to dig into the, the, the sort of the deeper end of that and the, and, the, and, the, and the wealth of information that exists within any organisation to allow that collaboration yeah. to be much more effective. The challenge is quite immense if you think about it, right? Just in terms of the documents Microsoft say they're processing a day, mm. that probably was greater than the sum of all human documented knowledge mm. 100 years ago. Yeah. And it's, it's understandable that organisations are facing an unprecedented challenge of how to sort and organize. In terms of products out there, what 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 kind of what applications are out there that can help organizations with this? Well, you know what I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, we, we're sitting. So, our, our platform Atlas um, is a digital work workplace platform, and it's sitting in this really really interesting intersection between um, 
productivity, really, making sure that you can be very productive with the tools that you have inside of Microsoft 365. Um, and you've got the, the knowledge side of it. And then you've got the automation and artificial intelligence. And we're sitting in that beautiful point, uh, in that intersection between all those three. And that really allows us to innovate, to solve these problems. So I'd, of course, say, you know, Atlas is a fantastic solution for customers that are inside a 365 ecosystem. If you're not, then you know, I wouldn't know what others are there if you're not. Um, but that's certainly, um, that's certainly where we operate and the, that's where we are focusing our efforts to effectively allow everybody in an organization do more with the knowledge, participate more, and therefore effectively achieve more um, every day they go to work. And I, I'd, I'd wholly agree with that, but I think that there's more than just the, the ability to manage the knowledge. Mm. When we when we start to think about the, the location hybrid, mm. um, I think the, the, the working world, the business world, uh, it probably needs to catch up a little bit and allow people um, the, the tools to collaborate mm. when you've got, for example, a hybrid meeting, a hybrid workshop where some are at home, some are in the office, some are mm. working remotely in some other way. Yeah. Um, that's not quite been solved yet. Um, and and, and that's that's where the, the next generation of tools are required to sit and work alongside Atlas to present the knowledge, to allow people to collaborate and to capture that collaboration as the knowledge building on um, the, 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 the feed. So I think how, more broadly, how do you see hybrid working affecting our knowledge management and sharing moving forward from here? So there's two, there's two key drivers for hybrid working. Um, one is what we just talked about, the, the location hybrid and the need to be able to, in, in today's working world, uh, I think for most organisations, uh, the need for organisations to recognise that even if somebody's job uh, role might indicate that they are um, able to work remotely, recognising that individual tasks um, need an, an element of collaboration. So everybody's job is, 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 can be broken down into tasks and, 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 and understanding how we enable that collaboration for everybody and, and recognise that it's a sort of the right time for the right place for the right type of type of work. So the first bit is, is thinking about that location hybrid. And then the second is, and the second hybrid that emer is emerging is the hybrid between humans and machines. And we're starting to see that, we call that the, the human plus mm. um, collaboration. How are machines able to help us to collaborate more and more? And how are we as humans enabling ourselves to collaborate with machines? It all comes back to having that knowledge base and giving the machines the access to the knowledge that, that, that we've written down, mm. but more importantly, somehow collecting that knowledge that sits in our heads into something that a machine can start to use to help us build on as well. So how do you see the location hybrid interconnecting with the intelligence hybrid as you describe there? So the reason I probe on this, of course, we've got... We've got uh, the location hybrid can generate some quite extreme views. So we've seen, for example, Elon Musk, I think on Twitter, he said, um, for those who want to remote work remotely, um, I think it was in Tesla, uh, they can go and pretend to work somewhere else and come back to the office. <laughs> yeah. So we've got that kind of polarization. On the other side, we've got the view that um, you can work genuinely from anywhere. So how, do, how does this all tie together? So it, it ties together through the knowledge, through the, through the information that underpins the collaboration with hu human, the human collaboration yeah. across that, that, that location hybrid and the collaboration between machines and humans. All of it is tied, tied back to the knowledge on which we, which we are absolutely reliant. That's what collaboration, that's what drives that, drives that collaboration cycle. Yeah, and I also think coming back to the opportunity, the opportunity is that you can drive information 
uh, to become knowledge by collecting yeah. it in the right way in the flow of your work. Uh, we talk a lot about this, you know, in the flow of your work, knowledge in the flow of your work, not just that you've got access to the knowledge in the flow of your work, but actually you're creating it. Yeah. So back to that triangle, we see knowledge as a much bigger piece, not just that top, but actually every time you are saving a document, say in a project, that is actually knowledge. And we contextualize that. And we take the friction away from the end users because I think that's a key point here. As you're working from home, you may not necessarily have someone that reminds you, oh, by the way, when you're doing X, Y, Z, remember to blah, 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 in order for others to use it. You're just working in the team or whatever, and you, when you're doing that, it just becomes knowledge. And I think there's two sides to it. There's the democratization, the, the ability to leverage knowledge in, in your work, but it's also the, I am creating knowledge just by virtue of working. Totally agree, and I think that I think that the, the the important part there is 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 the technology that enables people mm. and makes it easy for people to share that knowledge in yep. the first place. They share that information that can become knowledge for somebody else. Yep. But it's the culture as well, and and, and in organisations we see that are successful in this space, we see them taking um, taking steps to to transition from a culture where knowledge is power and a culture where if I hold my knowledge mm. close, mm. I can be more valuable, mm. to a culture in which. Individuals who share that knowledge and, mm. and, and enable that collaboration become enormously valuable to yeah. the organization. But you see, sorry to, I, know you, I could see you were about to say <laughs> something, but let's just jump in there because I think this is a really interesting little thing here. You know, sharing sounds very deliberate, and sometimes it yeah. is. But actually, depending on how you enable this, sharing just becomes a natural thing of what you, you don't even realize it. You have just shared something by virtue of working inside a particular area. It got tagged up for you. You didn't even know. It is thereby shared for anyone that's got permission, of course. Absolutely. I, I think that the tying the location hybrid and the mm. intelligence hybrid together is a, a super important point. And what, certainly what worries me about those forcing a traditionalist return to the office approach is that mm. actually you neglect the new technology capabilities that are available to you, right? And you impair your knowledge collection as well. Because if you think about traditional ways of working, a lot of that's not in the digital sphere. Mm. So, you know, arriving into a, a room such as this, right? That unless you back in, previously typed it up, it wasn't entering the digital domain. Whereas if you're having a hybrid meeting, it's all flowing through digital infrastructure and you can have automatic transcription, you can mm -hmm. have recording. And of course, with those, you can get AI then to tap into that information. It's all happening seamlessly. And that, certainly from my perspective, that's a concern that if you just say, no, old ways are best, come into the office, you're missing out on the potential advantages that the new tech offers. And I think what you're what you're what you're doing in, in, in driving that sort of uh, uh, agenda and driving people back into the office is you're not recognising that, that that the world has changed and that the yep. individuals um, know that they can work remotely. But also you're not facing into the the potentially the the, the more difficult but more rewarding challenge of adapting the culture of the organisation and leveraging the tools and uh, the capability that Atlas might provide. I, I think the key is actually the second part around the knowledge, right? Because it's about this is this is where competitive advantage comes yep. with the rise of AI and all the rest of it, leveraging that information. So I think um, this leads me on to quite a controversial question. Do we think this has actually removed the need for humans in knowledge management? Do we think, for example, ChatGPT could, you know, take <laughs> take our place, do our jobs for us? Well, uh, we get a lot of questions about ChatGPT right now, of course. Um, well, the, the, the straightforward answer is no. Uh, you knew I was going to say that. Um, the question is why, right? Why, why are we not going to rely on it? And, and I think, you know, the key here is to recognize what these technologies do for us because they are really, really useful when you apply them in the right way. Uh, so ChatGPT is, is still not 
the AI that we sort of think about when we think about movies with AI is not general AI. It's still actually narrow AI. It's built for a very specific purpose. It serves a very specific purpose and it acts in the way it's been instructed to act. So you give it some information and it'll give you something back. So you're basically prompting it to do something in response to that prompt. Um, so unless it really knows what, you know, what the content is that you, it needs in order to answer, you can't necessarily answer that. So the public one, you know, as we speak today, the public one, the chat GPT service from OpenAI has been trained with content up to 2021. You can, of course, fine tune uh, a GPT service with your data, but it doesn't necessarily allow you to look across all your data and give you, say, write a document on the basis of 20 other documents in your organization unless you fit those documents into ChatGPT. So there's a long way still to go. But even so, once you get that answer, are you going to trust it? You know, what we are working on right now, one of the first things we will be releasing in the next couple of months um, is, for instance, a, um, a service where you get a, a, a draft research article. But you're not going to publish that one. The whole point about it is that you, you use that to do the legwork and then you apply your wisdom on top of that. I think that's a very a great point. Uh, uh, anecdotal experience of ChatGPT for myself was I just thought I'd test it on obscure facts. So mm. where I went to school, we were drilled. It was drilled into us. Our school was founded in 1899. Mm. So I just put, when was my school founded? And ChatGPT came back and say, your school was founded in 1847. It was wonderfully confident. But it was what also it was wrong, completely yeah. wrong, and I think that's I think we're at the stage at the AI journey at the moment. Where you're right; there needs to be that oversight. It's great as a tool to mm. kind of accelerate you. You can mm. do a lot of the thinking, mm. but it's not it's not right all of the time, and mm. that's where we need that human lens on it. And I think that's exactly the point: is is, is tools like ChatGPT are there to help us. Yeah. Uh, leverage the knowledge so yeah. it, they they help us to catalog the information in order to turn it into knowledge they help us to access the information that might be useful in that collaboration but it takes a human to understand what that what, what where the value is in that knowledge and how to use it and how to collaborate exactly. but I, but i think there's clear signs that this we are indeed living the future now the future has become the present i mean you only had to look at i think um Google's share price declined very sharply when they unveiled their ChatGPT competitor and it gave some in oh. inaccurate information mm -hmm. on the product demo. Uh, and also Microsoft going all in with ChatGPT integration at the moment, I think with Teams Premium, either yep. live or on the way at this time. That's so right. I, it, it's tremendously quickly moving. Mm. Where, where, where do you see the, uh, things evolving to in the next two, three years in this space? Well, I think they will evolve quite fast. Uh, and I think it's very, very difficult for us to, to say a year from now, these are the scenarios where it's working really well. I think it'll evolve and we will find ourselves using this technology in areas where we might not have thought that's exactly where it's going to help. But if we take the Teams uh, premium offering that Microsoft released um, just a few weeks ago, um, what it's doing there is, again, like you were saying before, so it does some legwork for us and it does that quite cleverly. Again, we've got to recognize what is it doing? Well, the transcription, the transcribed data is basically sent in a special prompt to ChatGPT and it comes back with, here's a summary, here are the actions, the tasks you've agreed, uh, set by this one, uh, de delegated to this person, etc. It does that really, really well. That will evolve. That will become more clever. We will see other, other um, we will see certain jobs, certain roles benefit from this. I think research will be one of the areas where we will see a lot of potential. We've got some things we are sort of working on where 
how do we how do we turn knowledge in our day to day into something that the AI can use to provide us with easy answers? Um, whether that will be successful or not, whether that will be something that will be taken up, that's a, that's a good question. I think I think it will evolve faster than we imagine, but not necessarily in ways that we imagine. And I think the the benefits for the business, businesses that get this right and, and you know grasp the yeah. new technology successfully are enormous, right? Mm. And they are, and, and those benefits mainly sit in in freeing up the humans mm. to really drive that collaboration and use the outputs of that collaboration to to improve the business, to improve the performance of the business, to to innovate, uh, etc. Um, and 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 the tools, the the AI and the machines are there to liberate us uh, us from from that. Probably increasing the benefits of the location hybrid. Yeah. But I think what well, we've got to recognise that all this. Um, you know the the general change in how you manage knowledge, how you're engaging with an AI. Your I like your you know your your terminology of human plus. You know it, all that is you know is 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 driving and forcing a cultural change, right? Which we got to recognize. So we can build as much technology as we want, but you know there's a lot of other stuff that's going to happen alongside that for me, to make it successful for an organization. So it's very clear that we're living in tremendously exciting times at the moment. In fact, I think it's fair to say we're, we're living and breathing the digital revolution at the moment. And I think we're all fortunate in this group to really have front row seats of, of the transformation happening. So let's talk about a little more. What are Clear People, first of all, and then Oakland doing in this space? So, Gabriel, do you want to start? Yeah, I mean, I, we're constantly innovating. We're constantly investing. Um, you know, we've, we've made our bets in terms of technology, uh, the space we're in. Um, we're engineers, so we're beavering away, creating lots of technology. But technology is, of course, only one part of the story. Uh, so while the Atlas proposition, the Atlas platform, is continuously evolving um, and take, helping our users take advantage of all this good stuff that's out there, it's really only part of the story. And I think that's that's an important thing to recognize that we we can't an organization can't do it alone they need partners and we as a as a as a platform provider provider also need our customers to engage with us but importantly also to engage with a partner ecosystem around them and around us because um this is so much more than just delivering a piece of technology into an organization this is about cultural change mind shift change all sorts of change and adoption and so on well that's why we're sitting in a room together today because we're working together on that and that's a fabulous tee up so from, from an oakley perspective that you know we, we we find ourselves today supporting organizations who have spent um, the last few years uh, putting in place their information management to just to, to try and get control of the information and are now looking to use next generation knowledge management tools to make use of that to power that collaboration cycle and while they're doing that they're, they're having to face into the, the cultural change um, to truly transform their working worlds um, and working worlds for their for their employees and for and for their for their partners but also to try and make best use of that collaboration to, to transform the products and services that they're taking out to market. Mm. So that's where we find ourselves supporting that cultural change, as, as Gabriel says, the management, the processes to make use of the fabulous tools that are now emerging that can power that collaboration. Mm. Yes, and we most recently had the opportunity to work together on a prominent financial services client together with the Atlas implementation. I remember I did the initial uh, stakeholder analysis there of around 25 people of how knowledge management was working today. And it was quite shocking to me the the different ways of working and the fact that some were saving their files locally to the desktop only 
others were sending files to a network drive that was actually going to be decommissioned. While others were, were dabbling in Teams and OneDrive, but we didn't really understand the difference mm. between the two and where they should be saving data. And, and I think the most eye-opening thing about that for, to me was when we started rolling out the Atlas project, product, just seeing how much efficiency was gained through doing that, and people's way, people, you know, reacted very positively in changing their ways of working because they saw the benefits. Yeah, no, I think I think I recognise that, and I think you're right. I think for us, sometimes what we got to do is we got to stop up and realise that sometimes the um, the the most simple thing, the things we rec- we recognise maybe as the most simple things, actually in, initially have a huge impact on organisations if they do things consistently. And that's, of course, where the Atlas pro- product comes in. When when we implement the platform, you basically create this layer of consistency in, in terms of how you're working with your data. Um, the, um, the example you gave there, one of the one of the demos I think we gave early on, we showed the team that they can still work in their own ways. They don't have to work in one specific way, but by using the platform, the content that ends up as knowledge in a very, very consistent way. And I think that gave them a lot of comfort that, you know, there are some users that absolutely want to continue to work with folders in their desktop. Well, that can actually be done. It can all, all be connected in and you end up with a consistent outcome. And I think that's a really important thing that these hygiene factors are sorted out early on during this process. Uh, and the platform, of course, allows you to do that and then so much more afterwards. And Gabriel makes a very good point there. That one of the one of the big things that's happened over the last five or ten years has been the, the transformation of the technology. Fifteen years ago, knowledge management, information management tools expected everybody to work in a very consistent way. And that change was very, very difficult for organizations and for individuals to get their head around. Mm-hmm. And today's tooling, um, using um, AI and, and using in intelligence in the machines enables people to work in their own different ways and, and in often, often to not have to change very much the way they work, but to still allow the organisation to get the benefit of the knowledge to power the collaboration. Yeah, the changes can often be surprisingly subtle. So one of the big, this client in question, one of the biggest benefits that a number of users told me after we'd rolled out the platform was that they previously, for a gold master of file, the one they wished to publish... They'd have people chasing them because they couldn't find it. So they keep emailing out offline mm. copies of that file. Mm. And this was causing them major headaches. And so when they needed to go and iterate that and change it, they'd have to go and hunt down all the different people with the wrong offline copy of the file to get them to update it. But after putting through Atlas, mm. they were explaining to me that they could they were able to stop doing that. And it was freeing up a considerable amount of time over the course of a month, not be A, not being chased by people, but B, also not having to go and chase them in turn when a file change does happen. So you the the benefits were dramatic, albeit even on this very, you know, relatively small example. Yeah, I think a key point there actually is we, we in the early days of Atlas, we um, we were thinking very much in uh, five minute increments. Um, what we what we were talking about was if we could find these small nuggets, these small problems, these small tasks where we can save our users five minutes each time. You know, think about the the end result of that. If I can find five minutes from one person every time that they are, should we say, searching for a file, and they do that five times a day, well, I've saved them 25 minutes in a day. You multiply that across a large organization, you can sort of see where that goes. These are these are very very clear ROI statements that you can make. Um, but also the 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 other outcome, the less tangible outcome, is satisfaction, end user satisfaction. Nothing is more frustrating than trying to find a document and not knowing it's there and not finding it or having to recreate it even though you know it's there. 
And it's important to recognise, well, I completely agree with everything Gabriel said there, but it's important to recognise that that 25 minutes you're saving, um, in days gone by, the business case for ECM and information management was based on that time saving. Um, and, and to a lesser degree, it's still true today, but what organisations are, are, are starting to recognise as they're starting to look to transform the world of work is that that 25 minutes isn't therefore a saving to be banked, but it's an opportunity to do something different. It's an opportunity to differentiate, to be better at what you do, to give that next level of customer service, for example, if, if that person's in, 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 that, in that particular field. And that's the real value of knowledge management and collaboration is to allow organisations to really accelerate and differentiate. Gabriel? Simon, thank you ever so much for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed listening to that as well. If you are interested in learning more about Clear People, head over to clearpeople.com or oakland at oakland.com. Until the next time, goodbye for now. Mm -hmm.